The Israel-Palestine conflict has been a contentious issue that has troubled the world for more than seven decades now. This conflict, as you all may know, can be traced back to November 29, 1947. On this day, the United Nations General Assembly adopted Resolution 181, also known as the Partition Resolution. This Partition Resolution would divide Great Britain's former Palestinian mandate into Jewish and Arab states in May 1948. The Palestinian Arabs refused to recognize this arrangement, which they regarded as favorable to the Jews and unfair to the Arab population that would remain in Jewish territory under the partition. On May 14, 1948, the creation of the State of Israel was announced. This was followed by a massive displacement of Muslim Palestinian natives and led to the first Arab-Israeli war. 1% of the total Jewish population died during this war, but at the end, the Jewish population emerged victorious over the Arabs. The Arabs did not approve of the Israelis and continued to boycott them, and many Arab countries like Egypt vowed to annihilate the state of Israel. The main reason behind the overwhelming support for the Palestinians among Muslims and support for Israelis among Jews worldwide is due to the religious significance of the old city of Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem is the epicenter of the Abrahamic religions, namely Judaism, Christianity and Islam. The Jews have the remains of their second temple, the Western Wall. The Christians have the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and the Muslims have Al-Aqsa. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is the third holiest site in Islam after Mecca and Medina and the Western Wall is the holiest site for Jews. So you might be wondering why should they fight over this? The Muslims can pray at their mosques and the Jews can pray at the Western Wall. Well, the problem arises because of the location of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Al-Aqsa Mosque was built on the site of the Second Temple, which was destroyed by Roman Emperor Titus Flavius in the 1st century AD. And the Western Wall is the remains of that very temple. So Al-Aqsa and the Western Wall overlook each other. Oh, wait a minute, some of you might think that this sounds similar to the Ram Mandir Babri Masjid case in India. Jokes aside, the religious significance of this site is the reason why both sites are very hostile to each other and it very often results in violence among both sides, especially during the holy days. As I said earlier, the Arabs were very hostile towards the Israelis, especially the Egyptians. Egypt in 1967 was under the rule of their charismatic leader Gamal Abdel Nasser. Nasser was an extremely powerful leader and wanted to eradicate Israel. In 1967, Nasser took the foolish step of relying on fabricated intelligence and deploying Egyptian troops and blocking the Strait of Tehran. To put things into context, all ships, including ones which carried essentials like oil, had to go through the Strait of Tehran to reach Israel. June 1967, responding to Egypt's mobilization and blockade, 183 Israeli fighter jets attack Egyptian airbases and destroy all their Soviet Egyptian MiG planes and runways. In 20 minutes, 204 Egyptian planes were destroyed. It is famously said that the Egyptian Air Force had ceased to exist after the Israeli operation. After this, Israel had aerial supremacy over three countries, namely Egypt, Syria and Jordan. Talking about Jordan, let's talk about the River Jordan, after which the country is named. 
The area west of River Jordan is called West Bank and the area east of River Jordan is called East Bank. Both East and West Bank were controlled by Jordan in 1967. Jordan also controlled East Jerusalem, known as the Old City. As I mentioned before, this is the place where Masjid al-Aqsa Temple Mount and the Western Wall is located. In 1967, the nation of Israel was only 9 miles wide. I am telling you this to make us understand the magnitude of Israeli victory in this war. This war lasted six days and on June 11th, a ceasefire was declared. By the end of this war, Israel had conquered 42,000 square miles. Israel had brought under its control 1.2 million Arabs. The IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces supremacy, was known across the world. This war is the main reason why the Palestinians always demand for a return to borders pre-1967. Because the 1967 war resulted in humongous gains for the Israelis. The Israelis expanded their borders like never before. And which is why the Palestinians have always insisted that the only way that they would look back, they would make peace with the Israelis is if they return to pre-1967 borders. The Israelis have been very adamant at accepting that. The massive victory over its Arab neighbors in the 1967 war contributed heavily to the IDF's complacency in 1973. On Yom Kippur, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar, 1973, Israel was struck by a surprise attack by the Egyptian and Syrian army. This attack was masterminded by Nasser's successor and Egyptian president Anwar Sadat. Israel was struck by surprise and was on the verge of defeat until it used its nuclear arsenal to blackmail the United States for aid. Eventually, the US ceded to the Israeli threat and Nixon launched Operation Nickelgrass. US aid changed the tides in the war and the Israelis won eventually, but with heavy casualties. After the war, Egypt was regarded as the moral victor of the war for the Arabs had restored dignity and self-esteem. Sadat had won. The Hamas attacks on Israel coincided with the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, which shows its significance. The recent Hamas attacks has brought the Palestinian issue back into the minds of people worldwide. Before I continue, I'd like to condemn the terrorist acts committed by Hamas on Israeli civilians. And I believe that such an act is totally unacceptable. But I'd also like to condemn the Israeli bombardment and blockade on Gaza. Any attack on civilians, whether Israeli or Palestinian, cannot be tolerated in the modern world. Civilian casualties are without a doubt a tragedy. On either side, the loss of innocent lives is to be condemned and is wholly unacceptable. The human cost of this conflict is heart-wrenching. And it's essential to remember that behind every statistic, there are real people and families suffering. The recent attacks by Hamas have been widely criticized and I believe it is foolish. Because for every Israeli killed by Hamas, the Israelis have retaliated by killing more than five Palestinians. The impact of these retaliations is devastating on the civilian Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. And it's crucial to acknowledge that the bombing is ongoing, causing more suffering and loss. 
A human life is a human life, period. The cycle of violence we witness in the region is a tragic reminder of the urgent need for a solution. The two-state solution, with both the Israelis and Palestinians living side by side, is a widely endorsed opinion. It's the path to a sustainable and just peace, and it is the only outcome. It is not possible for any other outcome, because both the Israelis and the Palestinians know that at the end of the day, both of them have to accept and live next to each other side by side. It's important to remember that the opinion of Hamas, which calls for the eradication of Israel and the one-state proposal advocated by some Israeli right-wing factions, are unlikely to lead to a workable solution. A two-state solution which recognizes the rights and aspirations of both Israelis and Palestinians remains the best hope for a lasting peace in the region. It's not a simple path, but it's a necessary one, and the international community must continue to work towards this goal. We achieved something significant in Oslo, and it could have achieved something more significant if the Camp David talks in 2000 during the Clinton administration had succeeded, but it did not succeed, and we saw the second intifada instead. I hope that the international community wakes up. Instead of Sunak, Biden, Macron all rushing to Jerusalem, Tel Aviv, and meeting Netanyahu and endorsing support to Israel, they should realize that just supporting one country in this conflict is not going to solve the situation. A one-sided approach by the Western world is not going to work here. We need the entire global community. We need the powerhouses of the world. We need the United States, the Russians, the Chinese, all of them to come together and realize that a two-state solution is the only solution and to bring the parties to the table. If there is someone who can bring the Israelis to the table, it is the Americans. The Palestinian Authority should also bring in capable leaders and ask them to negotiate. It has been observed that after Arafat's death, there is not a single proper leader that the PLO has been able to rely on. So unless they do send someone who the entire Palestinian people can rely on, there cannot be a solution as well. So the Palestinians also have to get their act straight. The Israelis have to get their act straight. Both sides are complicit in this in this conflict. On a final note, as the Secretary General of the United Nations said, the Palestinians have been under suppression for more than 50, 60 years right now and this conflict needs a solution and the world needs to realize that the Western world in particular has to realize that it's the Palestinians as well who've been oppressed. The Western world at this moment only realizes the Israelis' plight and not the Palestinians and that needs to change if we are to hope, if we hope to live in a world in an egalitarian, in a just, in a peaceful world.